0: You know, what I've exhorted you on so far is just like really strong in my heart. If you will pay attention to how you handle circumstances, you will see where your certainty is. A lot of people yield to their kids' attitudes because they're not certain they can be the parents and affect them. A lot of people yield to money situations because they don't think they have enough to overcome it. We're, we're certain about a lot of things every single one of us are certain about things Amen. but but what we're certain about is typically in fact i made a post uh, on pastor David's facebook page yesterday or maybe it was on peace i don't know most people doubt their beliefs and most people believe their doubts so we walk around with the word of god and we say i, I believe what the word of god says but but then i doubt that because i got a situation and now I doubt it's going to work for me and we have more faith than I doubt it's going to work for me than what God said. You got got to believe your your beliefs. You got to stand with God no matter what. So I've told many people, don't ever chase money. Believe me, I was the guy that did that. I was the guy that did that. It doesn't work. It doesn't bring happiness. You might have a little bit more money, but you're going to have a lot of turmoil with it. Don't ever chase money. Money doesn't solve anything. Now, money answers every question, but it doesn't answer it always well because it'll bring a lot of heartache with it. That was a, a verse I just quoted right there. Don't chase money. You build your life around money, you will have a miserable life. You build your life around God, you'll always have enough money. It's the focus, amen? Amen. I was expecting, turn if you were to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I was talking about expectancy in my Friday video that I showed here. Do you know what I did? I'm expecting something. In fact, I'm so much expecting something. I woke up this morning, and I was wide awake and ready to get up and come to church. Now, I get to church earlier than most of y'all. Okay, I usually leave the house at 6, 6, 10, something like that. I'll get down here. So if we go to noon, I'm here six hours. I was expecting. I woke up. Boom. My eyes were open. And it's like this is the day. And I'm laying there just kind of meditating on this, some things, in it, and I heard in my spirit, look at your clock. So I just kept there laying on meditating. Man, I'm ready to get up. I think I'll get up before my alarm goes off because sometimes I get down here at 5. That's a good place to say. No, no, because we're certain of one thing: the bed is more comfortable than getting up. But man, I woke up. I was ready to get up, but I heard my spirit again. Look at the clock. So I looked at the clock. It was 3:35. No, I didn't come down here at that time. I thought that, that that's a little bit too early. And uh, but that's where expect, what expectancy will do for you. It it will cause you to be ready for whatever's coming your way. So now we're getting ready to go in the Bible. Judge your. Judge your expectancy. Are you just going to listen to me preach again, or is there going to be something in here that's going to deal with something that you're going through and help you shift how you see it? Because we assign meaning to everything. <laughs> have you ever had a, a neurological connection of two things that have nothing to do with each other? Okay, when I was 10 years old, I had yellow jaundice. I got yellow jaundice. I was really sick. And uh, in fact, Mom made, made up a bed in uh, the bathroom. I, I slept right by the toilet. I had something going on with my inner ear. that, You know, it was in... Uh, The house, like when you walked into the bathroom, you walked in, the toilet's right there. Then there's a sink and there's a bathtub right in front of you. Okay, you know the the layout, right? And it has one of those rectangle um, windows right above it. You know what I'm talking about? And I remember that that window, I can still see it in my mind's eye today. That window would start just spinning really fast. In, In my vision, I could see it spinning. Now, obviously, we know it wasn't spinning. But it would make me so sick. I just vomited and vomited and vomited. And you can ask mom. I, I was I was just like torn up neurological connection of two things that don't exist. Right before I got that sick, I ate popcorn. You know, the connection I made yeah. popcorn made me sick. Now, popcorn had nothing to do with it, but I was 10. It was well into after we got married. You remember when I said I'm going to I'm going to break through. I, I did not eat popcorn. The girls were born. So, I mean, we're, we're talking 20 years later. I knew logically that one didn't have anything to do with the other. But I made a connection inside of me that that made me think that popcorn made me sick and the smell of popcorn would nauseate me and I would not eat popcorn. It wasn't that I didn't like popcorn. I made this connection. Now, while I was sick, as any good mother would do, she came up with this horrible concoction that's supposed to try to settle your stomach. Uh, I don't remember what was in it, but the, the main ingredient in it was honey, or at least the main taste in it was honey. And I, uh, she would give me this to try to, to settle my stomach, and, and because I, I tell you what, man, I was, I was sick. And uh, I made a connection with honey and the sickness too. For the same 20-something years, I never ate honey again. I liked honey. But I never made it again because I connected it with something that was was very negative in my life. What connections have you made? This isn't my message, you're getting this for free. Apparently, apparently it's good, y'all staring at me like, Amen. what'd you do? Well, 20 something years later, I made it to I can eat popcorn now, I eat honey now, uh, you know, and I have no problem with it. I had to break through my thought processes. Do you know that we all have thought processes connected Amen. to something? And it can be, because don't you agree that popcorn and sickness, it's totally stupid. You know, they, they, they have nothing to do with each other. So, and then I made rules. Y'all have rules. A lot of you have too many rules. I made a rule not to eat popcorn because I didn't want to get back into the sickness. Now, if I would have eaten popcorn, it wouldn't have made me sick. It might have made me emotionally sick, you know, just the, the battle that I had with my head. Because I remember the first time I had to make myself do it. But once I did it and I disconnected that belief system, that rule I had, and I can eat popcorn whenever I want to. Don't think it's just me. Every single one of us has done the same thing. I can't get out of this situation because I connected some result in my mind. I can't accomplish something because I've connected something in my mind. If you grew up poor your whole life, It's hard to break the connection that this is what I've always been, this is what my life is, and being poor, you'll have a hard time walking in more than enough because you view yourself as not having more than enough. If you've been sick your whole life, you've battled something, you know, you just was born with a body that that didn't have a high uh, tolerance against things, and and you just battled one thing after another, it's hard to believe that you can be totally well uh, based on the Word of God because of your experiences. We all have experiences that have connected things in our minds to something else. And now we've made rules and we live according to those rules, but they're not God rules. I just preach on this all day. Amen. That's not my message. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're going to walk through some things here. First Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 10. Is that right? Yes. 1 Corinthians 10, 10. Neither murmur ye. Oh, oh, murmur, murmuring is directly tied To our certainty. Let's use a a, a more common word, complaining, talking smack. It's tied directly to what we're certain about. Because if you are certain that you are going to get through whatever you're facing, why do you need to murmur? The complaint comes from the heart because you believe what you're saying in the complaint, the murmur, more than you believe what God has said. It's a good word right there. It is. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, uh, probably the vast majority of people, they, they, they don't believe this. They'll fight this. Well, my words can't affect my life, but your words are affecting your life. If you look at your words and you look at your life, you're exactly what you talk about. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, you may not believe it, but it's absolutely true. Now, I guarantee you, there was a movie. It seems like Jim Carrey was the, uh, the, the thing and uh, the actor in it. And like everything he said, like manifested immediately. Uh, what was the name of that movie? No, I didn't watch Bruce Almighty. I thought that was sacrilegious. What? Was it Liar, Liar? Okay, something like that. It is Liar, Liar. Okay, so I guarantee you, if everything happened immediately when you said it, like that movie, you would immediately change your words. Everything does happen as you say it, how you say it. It just doesn't happen immediately, so we don't make the connection. Just like People struggle walking in faith because faith doesn't... Miracles happen immediately, but faith doesn't happen immediately. And we struggle making the connection. Let's go back to our verse. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. Now the them that he's referring to is the Israelites in the Old Testament. And were destroyed of the destroyer. The results of the tongue on the death side of it results as destruction in our lives. Why well, I, I just say it as it is, and you live how it is. God calleth those things that be not as though they are, Book of Romans. Why don't you immolate God? When God looked over the, the earth and saw that it was void and, and there was nothing in it, He didn't call it as He is, as it was. He called it the way He wanted it to be. So even if you're in a state, in a situation that you don't like the condition of it, your mouth is going to be key to the execution of your life. You will speak what you're certain of. This never works for me, but I'm believing God. I I can tell you what your answer is going to be. You're not going to walk in it because that's really what you believe. This will never work for me. I can't obtain that. Well, uh, somebody said one time, it seems like it was Henry Ford, but I don't know whether you believe or don't believe it's true for you. Something like that. You have a belief system. I have a belief system. Most of our belief systems are geared and constructed based on the circumstances that we walk in. But that's not what God says. He called it those things that be not as though they are. Now, if I call something that be not as though it is, doesn't that by implication put a responsibility on me to live up to the expectation of my faith? See, people don't want the personal requirement. We we like the welfare of God. Give it, I don't deserve it, but give it to me anyway. Now, there is mercy in the Bible and it has its place and it's very powerful because all of us deserve nothing. But by His mercy, we can obtain something. But now we have to to deal with how we're functioning on a day-to-day basis. So I'm actually laying, I'm preaching on a foundation that I'm laying. Now, all these things, verse 11, happened unto them for examples. So everything that the Israelites walked through, Everything that the Old Testament talks about is an example to you and me. And they are written for our admonition. Now the word admonition means for our instruction or for our warning. Um, for our, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So, so I got a question here just to answer to yourself. Are you learning from the example? Because if everything that they walk through... In the Old Testament was an example of how to live by the Spirit. This is where all these grace teachers and and everyone that's just saying, you know, because he died for us, we get everything and and it doesn't matter. Old Testament doesn't apply to us. Just keep your money. Don't honor God that he said was holy with your tithe and just do whatever you want to do. Uh, they, They don't get the power of the Old Testament. It was actually the teacher of how to walk in the spirit. This is why Jesus said you search the scriptures talking to the Jews at that time about the the Bible they had, you know, the the law and the prophet, the scrolls and different things. You search those things, those scriptures, thinking that they have eternal life, but they're all talking about me. All the examples were an example of how you and I live in the New Testament. Go if you would. So, So let me just say this. The quickest way to success or the quickest way to failure is to emulate somebody else. Now, you've been given an example of what doesn't work, of how when they walked with God, it works, how when they didn't walk with God, it didn't work. It's an example. You can bypass the experiential element of life. Don't do what they did when it didn't work. Do what they did when it did work. It was for our example you and i don't have to be we don't have to regurgitate and relive all the things that didn't work go to hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. let us labor therefore now that word labor when we think of labor we think about work Um, but it actually means zealous or being eager it's talking about your execution execution let us with zeal let us with fervency let us with eagerness let's go back to the verse where am i at Four eleven. let us with fervency, enter into that rest. Now, the, the, the example, if you study out the word rest here, it was talking about after the Israelites went into and possessed the promised land. They now had rest. They no longer had an enemy. Okay, now we know that we're not going to have an enemy. That's not going to happen until we get to heaven. They overcame the enemy to possess. We, we still got to overcome. So let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. If you do what they did that did not work, you're learning or you're experiencing or you're putting into application the example that didn't work and you're going to fall as they fell. So let us learn. Let us learn what they did. Now, if they did it without the Holy Spirit, we definitely can do it with the Holy Spirit. See, everybody lets Goliath's words get so big in their life that they shrink away from the Word of God when God will, will, will turn around the situation that you're in. If you have an unbelieving spouse, you will know, or you know somebody who has an unbelieving spouse, you will always notice they will come up with things to do on church nights. The devil doesn't change his strategy. Oh, no, it's just one week. We'll just do this. We'll just do that. But they constantly try to figure out how to do things to not be in church. You think they're not trying to win you? If you're, if you're gonna fight back on that battle, you're gonna have to fight it on the Word of God because it's a demon. Your, your boss will always try to get you involved in something that will take you out of sports, tries to get your kids involved so that they can get them out of This whole world's designed to get people away from God in the fallen, uh, the fallen nature of this world. You and I have to stand on the Word and battle back darkness. And we got a whole 4,000 years of Old Testament of people doing things right and people doing things wrong. Learn from them. Learn from them. I tell you what, the quickest way to success is repeat things that successful people do. Then he immediately says after that, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So you can say you're doing something for God, but God knows the real inside of our heart. You and I are all going to act on the highest level of certainty that's in our heart. I believe I have to do this because, because I'm just missing something if I don't do it, Mr. Alcohol. Yeah, you know, I heard something. I heard somebody talking and they were talking about smoking and that why people can't get rid of smoking is because one of the things that it, it changes how they feel. And scientific study behind it, it was interesting because what is changing is not really the cigarette, it's the way you breathe. You take deeper breaths you know you can do that without a cigarette are we in church or are we not supposed to deal with this stuff let's go to Genesis 37 see if we can see if we can do something a little bit better here Genesis 37 now Genesis 37 you probably all know the story it's the story of Joseph and uh the story of Joseph is long uh I tell you what I, I I'll i give you a personal thing with me uh did I say exodus I mean Genesis uh the uh no one I can't find it where's Joseph and no, I forgot what I was gonna say okay so we all know the story of joseph oh i know what i was going to say this. i can't read the story of joseph without crying it always brings tears to my eyes just the i think i don't know but you know you have a tendency to look at your own failures your own inability to walk through something here's a man that walked through everything and kept kept focused on god it's a powerful story now we're not going to read the whole thing we're just going to hit the parts that um you know that that are dealing with my message today Genesis 37 18. That's where we're going to start. And when they saw him afar off, that would be when they saw Joseph, the brother saw Joseph, and even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to put your life into the story. Has anybody ever had somebody who conspired against you? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not just Joseph. Has anybody ever had somebody that wanted you to fail, that wanted you to get out of their life, and they did things to try to drive you away? Uh, it It doesn't matter how the scenario is. You have a Joseph experience. So what I'm wanting you to see, we're learning from their examples, but we have to apply it to our today. Verse 19. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Now this is very interesting because what they were attacking was the dreamer, not the brother. If you ever notice this in your own life, people don't like dreamers, big thinkers. They get very uncomfortable around them and they will actually try to pull them down so they feel better about themselves. So it wasn't their brother that they hated, it was what God did in their brother that they hated. People may not like you because of what God's doing and has called you to do, and people don't want you to walk in it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. It is a good word, it's our example, it's Joseph. Hmm, let's see if we get anything else if we go a little bit farther. Verse 20, come now therefore and let us slay him cast him into some pit and we will say some evil beast has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams so the plot's been made verse 21 and reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said let us not kill him now this is a very interesting scripture because it says he, Reuben delivered him. All he delivered him from was destruction. He did not deliver him from the journey. So you can see, now you got to see that God's doing. Now let's ask ourselves a question. Is life happening to him or for him? It's happening for, I think I only heard one. It's happening for him. Most people live life thinking life is happening to them. Now I want you to stop and think about the big picture on this thing. Is God in his dream and wanted him wanting him to be what he's he's going to be god has to get him into egypt okay let me use new testament words god needs to get you from just hanging out in the church and testifying in the church into the marketplace now there's going to be a journey that joseph is going to walk on that's totally not fun but god can't deliver him out of this because god has to get him to the place where he needs to be. Now, don't take this too far on what I'm saying because I, I see posts all the time on social media about God's gonna take your, your, your pig pen or you know, your, your biggest trial in life and turn it into a great victory as though God purposed for you to be there. Joseph did nothing wrong. He was a faith boy. God's going to do this for me. God has set me in this place. Let me tell you the dream I had last night. Let me tell you the the next dream that I had. You know, haystacks and and, uh, stars and and he's going through. This is what God's going to do. You you think God's going to make you a ruler over me? Even Jacob said this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph's the son of Jacob. Okay, he's in the powerhouse church. He's in the right family. But in order for God to get him to where he needs to be, he's got to get him out of this and then the middle of heathen and the only way he could do it was I'll take you down to slavery and bring you back up a a second to the king. So when we read Joseph's story, do we typically focus on the journey or the end? Most of us kinda, man, the journey was horrible, but praise God in the end. But now we get down into our life, we're focused day to day on what we're going through and we lose sight of the vision god or joseph joseph never lost sight of the vision and even when he was sold into slavery even though he was put into prison the vision stayed in front of him this is what god wants to do in my life some of you have received prophetic words some of you have received multiple prophetic words and you struggle in the apprehension of the prophetic word because you're focused on the the journey you got to keep your eyes on the vision That's who they came against was this dreamer. Verse 21, And Reuben heard it, delivered him. Uh, Verse 22, And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, in this wilderness. Lay no hand upon him, that he might rid uh, him out of their hands to deliver him to his father. And it came to pass when Joseph was come out of his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors. Now, in the process, Joseph lost that thing that was most valuable to him. You got to personalize this what if you lose that thing most valuable to you vision was stronger than the thing he loved that coat that coat represented his father and his father's love to him and he lost the thing that was most valuable to him see now most people in modern day america if they lost the thing that was most valuable to him they'd be a mess for the next six months they'd be focused on the loss but maybe that thing or maybe that person or maybe that job or maybe that situation has to get removed out of your life so that God can get you where he wants you see but now here's where we come into the certainty and and to where our focus is we assign value to things you've heard me say it many times that we we do what we value most and a lot of people their highest form of value is on things that will pass away now God wants us to have great things He's, he's a good father uh, he, he says, you know, would a good father give their, their, their son a, a serpent when they ask for a piece of bread? You know, something like that. Uh, he, he's a good father. He's not trying to take away things from us. He's trying to give us things. Now, if, we, if you know the story of Joseph, what he got, was it greater than that coat? There, there's like no comparison in value. Could he see that at the time he lost the coat? So then we come back to where is our focus what do we focus on most of our focus is highly correlated to our feelings and if if joseph had been in america he would have lost all sight of the vision and focused on the coat because it was of such high value to him and they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty there was no water in it so they put him in a well so now he's at the bottom of the well without his his coat of many colors uh, being there because his brothers, those closest to him, has betrayed him. They plotted against him, and and everything is going backwards from this vision that he saw. But we don't see Joseph complaining. We see a dreamer dreaming. He sees the word of God that was given to him, and he keeps walking toward the word. See, you and I are living this life and we all got stuff going on in our life. And there's, there's people that, that we don't like to get around. There's situations we don't like to do. There's things that make us uncomfortable. There's things that, that do all these kind of things and they move us. And the story of Joseph, we're going to learn from his example. He did not allow that which was natural to move him from that which was spiritual. Now it takes both natural and spiritual in order to walk, into the thing, to walk in the things of God. And he's doing his part to keep the natural correct. Nobody's getting anything out of this. Nobody's... Woo! Yeah, praise the Lord, pastor! Verse 25, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes, and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead. Gilead, with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah uh, said unto his brother, What profit is it for if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. And he is is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. You ever been stabbed in the back by somebody close? Now he's a slave. But God, I thought you said that my my, my destination was to be a ruler. We don't see him questioning God because he's on a journey to the place where he's gonna be a ruler. And a lot of people can't handle this. Verse 36, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's house, and captain of the guard. Now he's in a place where God wants him to be. But it's not gonna go easy from there. Uh, you know he's going to get put back in prison after this slavery. Uh, he becomes the keeper in the house. He's exalted. He's it's all starting to look good. He's promoted one time after another. He has favor with over other people. And then then a lady wants to uh, be with him, and uh, he runs and he leaves his his coat back behind. And uh, she she's mad because he wouldn't lay with her. And she takes it to her husband and said, Look, he came in here that Jewish boy. He came in here and tried to uh, have his way with me, but but I screamed and yelled and he ran off. And so now he gets put into prison under. No charge of his own. Now, this is a point I was trying to make just a minute ago about social media posts. Is a lot of people look at the mess they're in. Well, this God's got me here, so because He wants to do. No, most problems we have in life are self-inflicted. You're probably there because you made stupid decisions. Joseph did not make stupid decisions that God needed him to get to another place in another land among another people for him to do what he wanted to. Now, if we're in that place because of our stupidity, because of our addictions, because of our uh, emotional immaturity, and because of the way we have assigned value to different things, God can still take where we're at and use it. According to Philippians 1.6, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that what he began in us, he stands faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where we're at. Uh, Joseph didn't get there through rebellion to the Word of God. He got there through faith in the Word of God. So what do we see? We see two avenues that will get us out of the promise of God, rebellion and faith. Or or, let me re-say not out of the will of God. One will get us out of the will of God, rebellion, but God has a restoration path on that. The other one will take us down. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. It's going to take me down a path that I don't want to walk, but it's going to get me where I need to be for the purposes of God to manifest in me. That that was, like, good, because I, I, like, gave you two ways out. I mean, here has a past. Yeah, okay, we all have a past. Octavio's got two pasts. God has a way out. Don't beat yourself up over your past. We all have one. How many of you ever done something stupid you wish you would have never done? How many done something stupid that you wish hope oh, nobody ever finds out about? We we all our arms are going up all over the place. I mean, don't the the, the devil's great at isolation. Yeah. yeah, but you don't know what I've walked through. Who cares? We all walk through something. We've all camped out in the pig's pen. Yeah. Get over that. Wake up and get out of it. God's made a way for us to get out of it. Got to hurry. Joseph then walks through a myriad of other things, which is going to make this fast. And uh, but but it's all a journey to get him where he needs to be. See if you can ever if you can ever resolve this this question or this issue in your mind: Is life happening to me, or is it happening for me? See if you really believe in God, life is happening for you. God is trying to get you to a place where He can fulfill His word in you. But we have all these side distractions, all these ways that the enemy comes in and tries to distort us from people that are close by that that plot against us and and try to plan against us from just this fallen world and the different things that goes into it. All these things are trying to get us off course. Most people yield to them because they're emotionally hard to get through. But God has a plan to get us through. That's why James came back and said, count it all joy when you fall into various types of temptations count it joy when you get into something that's going to put pressure on your faith. It's going to make you stand up and stand against something, uh, up against something harder than you've ever done before. Most people can't do this or a good percentage of people can't do this because they've never gained control of their mind and their thoughts to say, I can beat this thing. And they let anger and hurt and frustration and violence and different things dictate their next response. Go to first Peter chapter one. Going back to my video, expectancy is the key. See, what would most people expect when they were stripped of the most valuable thing from them, thrown into a pit and sold into slaves? Most people will change their expectation because they're not certain that God can now do what he said he would do. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Your hope should be living. Joseph's hope was living. No matter what happened, his hope stayed strong. It was alive within him. It, it actually, this lively word from the original Greek means to be one's own master. Now, it's not talking that it exalts you above God. It's talking about your master of self, that you control your direction and your focus. See, a lot of people are not, they think they're tough, but really they're weak because they have to resolve a, fo- a problem by fighting. I have a lively hope. God's going to get me. Uh, all this noise that I'm hearing, I'm not going to let this thing affect me. I'm not going to let it move me because I have a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. So our final destination is in heaven where all enemies are defeated. We should have a focus on that in living to the appearing of Jesus Christ that we will escape from all these things who are kept by the power of God. Are you? See, a lot of people say they are kept by the power of God, but they got no power in their life. You've got to come over to the power of God. Through faith and to salvation, deliverance from all things, ready to be revealed in the last day, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now, Joseph walked through a heaviness through manifold temptations, but he kept the faith because he had a living faith. His hope was a living hope. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me go through these real quick. Second Peter chapter 1, uh, just this and one more verse. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. You have a more sure word. Whatever word is coming at you, you have a more sure word. If you can bring yourself to it. Uh, more sure word of prophecy, where you do well, that you take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. So you've got to keep standing in the darkness that's trying to come upon you, that's trying to take away. You've got to have so much certainty, so much faith, so much confidence in the word of God that the word of God is going to bring forth the answer and not be moved by all the noise that's coming at you. So where is your certainty? This is a question you should ask yourself where is what am I totally certain about and probably you're not certain uh, if you had a billion dollars in the bank are you do you have certainty that your life will go well billion dollars won't uh, keep sickness away from you billion dollars won't get to keep you out of divorce it might help you get into a divorce depending on the spouse and uh, and what they think they can get out of you a billion dollars is just a billion dollars. See, but a lot of people think their life would be perfect if they had more money. I can guarantee you. If you got the more money you think you have, you would need more money when you got to that place. Because everybody lives up their life, spends up their life to what they're making. Except for like maybe 3% of the population who have control over their, their, their money. See, so you have no certainty except in Christ. His word is certainty. So, so, do this another little homework assignment do this and see where your certainty lies we should ask for it what is your expectation out of life very few have an expectation that is based on the word of god that i can live at a uh, having uh, all sufficiency in all things that i may bound to every good work that life would give me more than uh because god is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that i'm able to think according to the power of works within me, that I'm able to live at that level. Most people don't have a very high expectancy. You should challenge yourself and see, what am I certain of in life? And what is my expectancy for life? Well, if I grind it out for 40 years, I'll have a pension. There's no pension in the Bible. There's overflowing in the Bible. God can bless you if you're a pension. If you have a pension, coming. I'm not telling you to walk away from it. That's a good thing to end. What's my expectancy? Is my expectancy for pension? No. No, we can't live our lifestyle based on the pension. But it blesses us. We take it. We're grateful for it. We tithe on it. We give offerings on it. We bless God with it. But what is your true expectancy? One last verse. 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to close here. 1 Samuel chapter 12. All right. Verse 16. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing, which the Lord will do before your eyes. Now, why does he say stand there? I don't think it's just they were sitting down. And I think it's the same thing as Isaiah. Say, arise and shine you got to change your position of life. You've got to change your certainty. I'm going to stand up in this. I think it's as much metaphoric as it is uh, physical to stand up. And we're going to stand up in just a minute, not now. We're going to stand up because I'm going to challenge you to something. And see what great thing. Stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. I want to ask you a question. We came into this, this uh, year as our year or more. What great thing have you got an expectancy on for this year? What great thing are you going to do? What great thing is God going to do? Or are you approaching? Or what? halfway through month. two and a half months into this year, are you living last year? Or Are you living different? What is the great thing that you're expecting? To do? See, if we if we never expect, how are we going to receive? Because actually, we're getting what we expect. You ever notice the person says, every time I get a part, it's a lemon, it just breaks down? Have you ever noticed they always have the part that's a lemon that always breaks down? They're getting their expectation. They're getting the words that come out. Well, they say the flu's going around. If it starts going around, I know I'll get sick because I always get sick. You know what they're going to do? They're going to get sick. What great things are you expecting of God? And how certain are you that God or expectation in the path? Now, I've given you one homework, actually I've given you two, but I'm going to focus on the one, at our offering time. I hope you wrote it down. I'm going to have you write down something else. I hope you want something to write with. I'm going to give you three points on this message that you can enact. First, I want you to believe and keep before your eyes, like I said, on the offering, that the amount of your offering, you'll see it double this week. Second thing I want you to do, and these are going to be three points based on this message that I just preached, identify what you want. Identify the great thing you want for this year. Make it great. What does great have to be? I, I, I mean, when you when you start talking about great, how big does great have to be? Now, the doubling of our offerings, for most, that's not going to be a great thing. You know, it might be an extra, you know, we might be given a $100 offering or a $200 offering or a $50 offering. It, 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 would, it would be, and it's designed to give us hope that God is watching what we're doing and He's faithful. But let's say you gave a $100 offering and you get $200 back. You got an extra $100. That's not life changing. I mean, I'll take it. If you have a $100 bill, feel free to give it to me. I'm not gonna throw it away. But it's not gonna change my life. It might buy me a meal. You know, We might go out instead of going home. You get what I'm saying? I'm not mocking it. It's just not a great thing. Identify a great thing. Something that's in the realm of the impossible is a great thing. Believe that your mortgage is paid off this year. I owe $240,000. I I make 25. You bought too big of a house for one. Um, but I need to, I don't know if I could believe that. Okay. Well, maybe that's too great for you, but, but do you get my example of a great thing? Something that is beyond the realm of what you can believe. Second, write it down. Don't just say, Oh, I'm going to remember this because this is important to me. You won't, you'll get busy with life. That's why I told you to write down your offering amount and keep it before your eyes book of joshua meditate on this day and night that you may have good success you got to see it you've got to keep it before your eyes so that every time you see it you put it on your refrigerator or whatever you do i give a hundred dollar offering god i give a hundred dollars on so- offering on sunday uh that guy up there that was talking that's supposed to be the preacher he said that you can double this thing this week i i claim that i want to see you move in my life amen okay <clears throat> and then you go to bed at night meditate on it man it really cool like how could that even work? Like I'm walking down the street and I see $200 and it's like, it happened. Or, or this other thing happened. I mean, start seeing yourself walk in it, write it down, meditate on it, look at it, build an image inside of you and um, uh, that it can actually work, which is number three, build expectancy. Don't, don't just, don't throw it off on the God. Well, God, I know you're able, but I just don't know if you will. No, build an expectancy that it will live. Now, now let me bring it back to this. Those three points are tied into this ser—this message. Joseph, I guarantee if you really paid attention, you found yourself somewhere in Joseph's life, okay? But do you find yourself in Joseph's outcome? See, that's a much harder thing because we start feeling the feel of somebody backstabbing us, somebody taking something most valuable to us, uh, somebody throwing us in a pit, somebody conspiring against us. We might view ourselves as a slave, not like like literal slavery that we understand from history, but I'm underneath, everybody's above me. There's no way I can get out of this. You're a slave. You might be a slave to your job. I hate my job, but I can't quit because I, I can't pay my bills. You're a slave. Get real with yourself. It's like people that, you know, hey, I'm not going to say that. Let's stand. No, no, wait, wait, wait. We're going to stand like the verse said. We're going to stand like the verse said. When, when you stand, now now I want I want to tie this together. If you really had expectancy that God is going to double it and that this arena of your life that you went through that could match up with Joseph that God's going to bring you out of it, he's going to do something great in your life, would you stand differently if you were then if you were just leaving here today? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to stand. But but, but I like There you go. Thank you stand with expectancy. The devil can't stop me. Now, whether or not you do the homework is totally dependent on your certainty. You ever have somebody come up and give you a nice compliment? You really look nice today and all of a sudden you think of your personal flaw that you think you have? Okay, some people have, we just heard the giggles. You can't receive the compliment or they come in and maybe you did something that, that just really showed your brilliance and your uh, um, how smart you are and they, you know, when you did that, I tell you what, your brain had to be firing all, c- all cylinders to do that because that was like that was like very smart. And then you said, yeah, but I, f- I got C's in high school. Or you went back to something that you did dumb because you couldn't receive the compliment. Certainty. I'm not certain I could do that again. I'm not certain I can live up to that standard. See, we're all certain of something. So what, what you do based on these homework assignments is going to affect tomorrow. Now, if you look back at your offering, you got to go to work tomorrow. You know you're going to get paid for your hours, but like let's say you gave $100 in the offering and you know you have, you're certain that God's going to give you the $200. Would it actually make you look more forward to tomorrow to see God manifest in that way? See, it, it changes how we behave because our behavior is directly tied to our faith. People say they have faith, but they, but you, you can see in them. That's why James came back and said, I will show you my faith by by my works, by how I hold myself in circumstances. We're saying that we believe things, but we really don't believe it. We've got to build up our belief system. Why am I preaching on this? Because the thing that's in my heart, two things, is the darkness that's hitting our our lives, this world, you're going to have to be able to execute the word of God to to beat back the things that are happening. This is for your well-being. If you can't beat back the things that are coming against you, it's going to start coming in like a flood and it's going to overtake you. If you know, uh, There's a verse that says something like it comes in like a flood, That I'll raise up a standard uh, against it. Okay, if you're going to get the standard raised up against it, then you're going to have to be able to execute... The word of God. The other thing is Jesus is coming back in what people call their rapture or the appearing of Christ biblically. And he's taking those that are without spot or wrinkle who overcome. If we are not executing and have a confidence in that we're going to be there, uh, there's going to be a lot of revelations chapter seven as the sands of the sea, people that missed his appearing and had to come out of the tribulation. You don't want to be that person. So now you and I have a choice right now. How am I going to walk out of here? Was this just another message? And by the time I get to the car, I've forgotten it, forgotten the, the, the offering that I gave and, and everything else, or am I pushing into what God wants me to push into? If you will change the way you approach this week, I can guarantee you your week will change. We've got to, we've got to, what's the Bible say? Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. On all three of those verses, what was first? What I did. I've got to fix my expectancy. I've got to fix where I'm going. I've got to fix my attitude. Now, Monday's going to start a whole new week. You can control the week or the week can control you. You can see that this week that I'm going to walk in is going to get me someplace or this week is going to do something to me. You and I control it. And if we're going to walk in the power, the provision, the vision of what God's given to us, we're going to have to take control of the week, of the day, of our lives. We're going to have to stand fast. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding are opened. Right now, God, we're we're working on building our, our hope back of yielding our will to what you've said. God, and I I need you in my life to help me do this, Lord. I, I'm pushing forward. There there may be there may be so much uncertainty in your heart. That I I don't know if this will work for me. I don't I don't know if I can do this. No, you're going to have to bring yourself into control. And and that's what I'm going to have to do also, Lord. You're going to have to help us, God, know that we know that we know. God, that your word will work. If we will stand on your word, you are faithful and just to fulfill it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will not pass away. They will fulfill the things that they have been sent to. And you have sent and designed and created us to be and has a, have a purpose for our life to get to a destination that we can reveal your glory on the level of your glory. Lord, not on the level of our glory. Far beyond what we are capable to do on our own we are able to live in and walk in with you doing it if we will change the expectancy of our heart that you actually do care about us let me tell you i'm pausing on the prayer right now Uh, you've heard many of you've heard this story before but it just rises up in my heart i was i was frustrated with life i was like 18 19 something like that and uh, i was sitting if you're familiar with by the the Sequoia Mall used to have a movie theater behind it and they had a marquee out on Mooney Boulevard. I was sitting underneath that marquee and I was praying. Really, I was complaining. I was murmuring. And I said things like, Well, if I, you know, the Bible says I'm the apple of your eye. If I'm the apple of your eye, why am I living in all this? Why, why is it not working? Why is, you know, this and that and that and this and you know, and I I was praying. I was complaining. And in the the midst of that prayer, you know, like a teenager would do. I reached in my pocket. I pulled out my wallet. I don't have my wallet on me. I pulled out my wallet. There was no money in it. I was hungry, like teenagers are. I said, I don't even have enough money to buy a hamburger. And I'm supposed to be the apple of your eye. And with that frustrated statement, I just started up the car. And if you remember where the marquee was, there's an exit. You know, It would come into Mervyn's right there. I, I pulled out onto Muni Boulevard. I turned right. And I flipped you right there where Carl's Jr is. And I came down to the stoplight where Pet Boys is over here and somebody honks the horn. And I looked over and it was a guy that I worked with that lived in Woodlake. And it was like seven o'clock at night or something like that. It's like not normal for him to be in Visalia uh, at that time he has work and, and we started early. And I, I rolled down the window. If you're old enough, you know what this means. And uh, he said, hey, David, what are you doing? I said, nothing, I'm just getting ready to go home. He said, hey, flip back around to other Carl's Jr. I'll buy you a hamburger. I wanted to start crying. You may think, that God doesn't know where you're at. You may think, and the devil will help you do this, that it could never turn around for you. But God knows when you don't need, but you want a hamburger. Lord, let us, let us shift some things, God, and take control, become the master of our life. And in that master, we'll be like Paul and become bond servants to you. Because in you, all things exist. In you is your word and your power. You are interested in our lives, down to a teenager's frustration of not being able to buy a hamburger, you can still supply. And Lord, that as we are adults now, Lord, maybe we think, I don't know how I'm gonna keep this house. I don't know how I'm gonna keep this apartment. I don't know how I'm gonna feed my kids. Oh, but if we take control of our life, God, you said that you would supply all the things that we need that pertain to life and godliness, that you have not called us to here to be beggars and to be pompers and to live below everything that's going on, but you called us and seated us in you where we can seek those things that are above and not on this earth. God, we can walk in this, Lord Jesus, if we will hold ourselves accountable to it. God, if we will keep it before our eyes, your word before our eyes, God, we can walk in everything that you've established for us. God I pray this morning as we dismiss here Lord Jesus, that we will break out of whatever's holding us back. In fact, I want you right now as we're praying. what's that thing that you battle with? Do you feel you're not good enough or that it will never work for you? What's your emotional hang up? I want you to I want you to believe right now that this thing can be broken. Whatever's holding you back from reaching your, Your dream, reaching the thing that God has placed in your heart, whatever mental thing you have in your your life that has never worked before. I'm 60 years old. I'll use my age. I'm 60 years old and it's never worked before. Why should I expect that it will work now? Because God. Because he's God. Because he loves us. And he stands ready, Philippians 1-6, to to perform in us the thing that he began. With Joseph, he began with a dream. And Joseph stayed faithful to the dream, and he saw the manifestation of it. I pray right now, if you've got that thing in your mind, you bring it to the Lord right now. God, this thing, whatever people are are, are dealing with, the enemy has brought a stronghold in their life to make them think they're not good enough. They don't qualify. They can't make enough. They can't get out of the situation. God, I command that thing to be broken in the name of Jesus and freedom of our heart and our mind will start running free, just like an animal that's been chained up and you, you let it go, it starts running in full force as it stretches its leg freedom 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 god i declare it over us in the name of jesus we can do this and you are faithful to do it in us in jesus name amen if you've never given your life to the lord now's a great day to do it uh, the elders are up here up front and would love to pray with you but but take this make it serious we can change our life today